Hey everyone, welcome to JCV Art Studio Season 5. My name is Joanna, the author of The Unraveling and Dealer's Child. And today I have award-winning thriller author Joe Goldberg with me. I uh I embarrassed myself. I'd say around Christmas time, I had the good fortune of being interviewed by Joe on the um Help me here, Joe. I I don't the have House of Radio. Uh, Thank you. The House of Mystery Radio Show on NBC, hosted by Alan Warren. Yes, and Alan had asked me a question about because Alan wasn't sure if I was Canadian, and I thought <laughs> I was I was being cheeky, and I just said something like, uh, "Yeah, I'm I'm your average Canadian, um, kind of staying under the radar. Who knows? Maybe you might think I'm a spy." And that's when I found out that Joe. Used to work for the CIA. <laughs> so. And stuff. Yeah. And Al's a Canadian too, which is why that conversation took place. So, yeah. Yeah. I don't get, you guys say you're someplace and you're like 3,000 miles away from each other or 3,000 miles north of each other. And I'm no clue. Canada's, Canada's up there. Yeah. <laughs> Other good. side of Minnesota and Wisconsin. Which I keep when my spouse and I have uh, traveled to Maui, people have That's said not to us, Canada. <laughs> people have said to us that we sound like we're from minnesota and i'm yeah, just like do. really okay okay minnesota so, yep okay so let's talk about you okay um let our i'm gonna let our listeners know a little bit about you uh joe has been a cia covert action officer corporate intelligence director international political consultant and currently, he is a college instructor and author. His work at the CIA garnered three exceptional performance awards and the private sector as leader of corporate intelligence at Motorola. Joe received the now meritorious award recognizing a single individual who has made a significant contribution to the intelligence profession. He has consulted on numerous international presidential prime minister. I have to admit, when I was reading this, I thought, ah, I wonder if ours. Anyways, I know you can't say anything. <laughs> and legislative no. elections. No? Okay. <laughs> no, I don't. I, I don't know. I don't want to do anything with North American politics. So keep away. I'd rather be in Nigeria, which makes more sense than like American elections. Okay. Okay. Um, Joe is the best-selling Amazon author of two award-winning espionage novels. And I've been reading all of the, all of your books, Joe. Thanks. I have Secret Wars, an espionage story, The Spy Devils. And today I get to interview Joe about his latest, latest novel, Rebellious Son. Joe, welcome. Happy to be here. I love talking about myself. Let's make this <laughs> a two-hour show. <laughs> so... You're retired. Can I say that? Retired from the CIA? Was that? Uh, I No, I didn't retire. I left. Okay. I uh, resigned. Okay. Okay. Resigned from the CIA. You've become an author and public speaker. I have your, I've subscribed to your newsla newsletter. And I Thank thought. You. It, <laughs> You're the one. Thanks. <laughs> I appreciate that. But I thought it was interesting. You wrote an article about the similarities between being an operative and an author. And I was wondering if you could share that. Well, there's disciplines involved. Um, you know, there's a, 
there's a the discipline of writing, the discipline of doing intelligence right, whatever your factor is. I came in as a as a analyst. I went into operations. I went into classical recruiting and and and, inf- and intel collection. I kind of did it all. Uh, the covert action job, which is the basis of the first book, Secret Wars, is best job I ever had. Um, but it's, it has to do with personalities. When, in fact, when I got the job at the agency, my uncle said to me, "Are, are you sure you want to do this?" And I go, "Why? I mean, because we political things and you know, with CIA spooky." But he meant I'm an extrovert, and the, the CIA is kind of an introverted world because you can't tell about anything, anybody, depending upon your job. And so you have to be in, I was an extrovert, introverted world, but there is also that extrovert, introvert life on the outside, right? So yeah. if you're if you're meeting people and talking to any dinner and you're at a cocktail party or a diplomatic except, you know, you're an extrovert, but you're working alone in groups, if that makes any sense. So it's, you have your job to do and you know, it's your discipline to get it done. And you have a, you may come back to the office, do you got a team and do you have bosses and things? So it's this group thing and there's this introvert thing. So writing, like I was just doing before we came on the air here, is I'm all by myself. I'm trying not to go walk around and munch on almonds. And I'm trying, I said, my discipline, I got to I gotta sit here. I'm not a very disciplined writer. I, I, I write when my brain is full and uh, I don't have other things to do. That's just my style. I don't, we can talk about that later, but I, I don't. I don't say I do two thousand words every between nine and eleven every day. I'm not that guy, um, but you got to do it, right? You got to be treated treat as a profession or be a professional about it, which is what you got to do with the agency too. So there's there's that's the beginning of the similarities, but the the psychological part of it. Okay, what are you going to do to get it done? Right. Okay. Okay. Now, with writing a novel, I know for myself, it's from my days working at the prosecutor's office where I had deadlines and my life revolved around deadlines. You know, I had the eight to four thirty job. So I have a schedule. And when I was researching you, when you write a novel, you need to factor in that your manuscript needs to be reviewed by the CIA's publications review board. Yep. So all right. What are you working in, in terms of publishing? Like, are you working in, let's say, you know, two extra months it's going to take before I can publish this book or four extra months? Like, what? how does your that timeline work? Well, I, uh, first of all, I signed an agreement that whenever anything I wrote, I'd have to uh, get reviewed. I mean, kind of everything, although I don't get everything I write reviewed. Like the book stuff, yeah. Yeah. Um, they're really good. They were you, you worry about them. I know that a lot of guys have have uh, pain. Um, I usually get mine back in about a month. I factor in a month of six weeks. Uh, I don't think I've gone longer than five weeks in any of the three books. The first one I really worried about because it's my first time down the road, and it had a lot more stuff in it that was fresh out of the agency. So I was concerned that they were going to uh, chop it up a lot. They chopped it up a, a little. Um, actually, I was kind of disappointed in that. I wanted a little bit more. I wanted to feel like I was really kind of going into the gravy, but uh, <laughs> pretty much I was kind of watered down gravy. Uh, so I factor that into my writing. But I, since I kind of do it on my own now, I can kind of publish when I want. I set deadlines. Like I've already set the deadline for the next book, which is exactly the same date as the last book, it's Just, but i <laughs> still trying to write it. So I know I've got to get it to my editors and my reviewer, my my. And I know how long that takes. I've already got the covers. I've already got that stuff's all done. So I 
that's factored in. Now it just got right about 90,000 more words and kind of be done with it. Then add the month, then add the marketing, then add the stuff. Right. Okay. Okay. So have you ever had your, well, you mentioned it a little bit. It sounds like you don't, you haven't had to redact a lot from what yeah. you've written. It's been okay. Yeah. The uh, Secret Wars had several paragraphs where they made me change. I thought some of them were ridiculous, but I'm not going to fight it. Let's just yeah. make the changes. They weren't that big a deal. But actually, the stuff I thought for sure was going to get X'd out made it through. I'm like, okay. cool beans, as yeah. we would say, mm-hmm. old people would say. <laughs> uh, the, and that was related, directly related to a, basically autobiographical. I'd say 80% of it is pretty darn close to being reality. Uh, and then that was a while ago, Spy Devils, which was a contemporary novel. And I was further away from my job there. They had some, which I was happy for. Because I could put out the stuff that the CIA didn't want you to read in Joe's book. <laughs> uh, redacted. I have a picture of the redacted blacked out pieces in the cover. And like, ooh, the CIA symbol on the letter. Uh, rebellious on nothing. And I, and I didn't expect there to be anything. Because I'd already redacted it. My, I knew they were going to take some stuff out. I should have just done it for the heck of it. Um, I may even just do it in the next book, just just to feel good about myself. Mm-hmm. But uh, so it was a lot, some, none. Yeah. Well, when I, I remember when I was reading Spy Devils, I kept thinking to myself, I wonder if this was Joe's occupation. Oh, I wonder if this Joe was in this situation. So it's, it's. Yeah, it's really neat. It's good. I'm glad you went. It's not me. It's Bridger. It's it's, it's (laughs) Bridger. Okay. Okay. So, can you give us a hint of what Rebellious Sun is about? Just a hint. A hint. Well, it's book two of the Spy Devils series. The Spy Devils, who were actually when I wrote the original drafts of Spy Devils, were were ancillary characters. Adam, the main character was who became the secondary character. And I handed it off to one of my editors. And he goes, who's your main character? Oh, I go, really? well, now, now that I've written it, I kind of think this other guy's, he goes, yeah, he's much more interesting than your main character. So I tore up 110,000 words and rewrote the horror dying thing and, and made Bridger and the spy devils who is, uh, he is uh, born to be a leader of a, I'm going to say covert team. They aren't, they're, they're ancillarily connected to the agency because Bridger's mother mm-hmm. is a high-ranking official inside the agency. And she pretty much birthed him to become what he is and trained him through time, not as a zombie, but she saw, she foresaw along of her other old crankety mission over a means uh, agency people that the world was going to change. And so they needed, they knew they needed some sort of weaponry that was not sort of straight out of the box, which nowadays is kind of like it's every sort of these Blackstone or whoever they are, Blackwater, private military corporations. But so he got trained in this and he hired a bunch of crazies who are experts in their thing, kind of like. I always kind of thought it was Mission Impossible meets John Wick kind of thing with a little bit of black uh, list mixed in there. And so they work on their own. They go after the people who uh, uh, others don't. And they're really their main weaponry is exposure on social media, which I did. I kind of downplayed a little bit more in Rebellious Son, but I'm going to bring it back in, in the last book here. And so they you know shine the spotlight on the bad guys. Yeah. yeah, give their information to the authorities and tell them where they are. And so that's that's their gig. And uh, 
rebellious. So that's what they did. And rebellious son is book two in that. They are actually related by characters, but not related by storyline. They, they, they stand alone. I can't say that for book two and book three. They're they're actually related. So, but in, in rebellious son, they are the Chinese are always a main focus of all three of these books. And so it's about either Chinese government, Chinese assassins, Chinese narco terrorists, and and how they interrelate with all the things that the spy devils, the bad guys who are anti, you know, whoever you want to call it, well, how you want to find an enemy, uh, they go after them. And, so, and then they get, by his mother, they get tasked, as we would say it, to go get those certain people. And they have a love-hate relationship. Which is great. Yeah, I, I've had more people re, uh, comment on the mother-son relationship uh, uh, of, this, of the characters than about anything else. It's like, okay. oh, I know that person. I, I, that reminds me of my mom. Oh, I hate my son. It's like, and I'm glad I struck that. I didn't. Yeah. I actually kind of planned that. Kind of hoped. Right. Good. So I'm curious if originally if Bridger wasn't your main character, thinking of the characters in your books. Who were you thinking originally was more of the main character? Oh, and Spy Devils was Peter Schaefer. It was the the Spy Devils was written to be a book on corporate intelligence, my Motorola yeah. life. And uh, once I got done and I read it, and other, and my other people read it, they go, you know what? Writing about corporate intelligence is pretty boring. It ain't very interesting. No one wants to read about a guy filling out his Excel spreadsheet about his expense account when he went on the trip. That's or writing the report for the CEO. That's just not that's not really thrilling for a thriller. So I tried so I had to mix in. I always had planned on having this the, the thesis was corporate intelligence and real intelligence espionage overlap and the people who are not used to it get thrown into this world that they're not really used to. Although Peter Schaefer was a former agency guy briefly, but they and that was it. So the, all these people who weren't really into the sphere of intelli- espionage and intelligence, I always want to say espionage, which, which is what it is. Yeah. Uh, that that was a main idea. Sort of a fish out of water, kind of, or beyond their, their knowledge. And that still is in the book, but it flips, yeah. where it's actually Bridger has to says, what is this corporate intelligence? Hey, you're fine. Great. Tag along. And I'm going to, you know, don't get killed kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, and then they develop a relationship. But yeah, it was Bridger getting exposed to corporate intelligence, not corporate intelligence getting exposed to uh, espionage on the CIA side, and it was and it was an obvious flip. I just had to cut a lot and uh, make up uh, more action because my books are not action books, <laughs> and I would not consider them action books. Well. Although they have a lot of action, it's required. It's required as table stakes. Yeah. I call it bang bang. Right? Mm-hmm. You got to have bang bang, or nobody likes your stuff. I, but I want mine to be more John Le Carre, Frederick Forsyth, espionage book. I mean, nobody died. Well, basically, nobody dies in Tinker Taylor's Soldier Spy, or the spy came in from the cold, or any as you know. It's 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 true espionage. I almost firmly believe that if Le Carre was coming out a new author today. He wouldn't get published. He was. He just doesn't meet the standard of 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 Jack Carr or Mark Graney. There's you know the, uh, Greg Hurwitz, you know, Orphan X. Those are you know action books, yeah. you know killer books, and yeah. they have great characters and great storylines and all that. But the it starts with the action. I want to start with the intelligence espionage side, and Gosh. I may get some pushback from those guys on it, but I'll be happy to talk to them about it. Because I'm just thinking of Spy Devils right from the start. 
there is action when somebody goes out the window. Right. Yes. Yeah. Oh, that's the opening is award winning. That's, I yeah. can't, I, I, it's one of those, <laughs> it's almost like Hitch. It was uh, uh, my Hitchcock, but it was the first movie. Oh, no, it's this uh, Citizen Kane for uh, uh, you know, Orson Welles. Like, he, your best movie is your first thing when you're 24 years old. And after that, everything else is kind of <laughs> live up to it. So I wrote the, this, this opening chapter, which wins an award for best opening of a book. Yeah. And then I'm like, why even that? Well, yeah. <laughs> what more can I do? So I'm trying yeah. to I'm matching competition of myself. But yeah. but that but that scene was always that opening scene. I wrote that. That was one of the first things I I always knew I was going to have that kind of thing. I actually built the story and the plot kind of off of that. Um, I didn't I didn't know exactly why he was being tossed out the window. Blah blah. Yeah. Um, and that just came as I wrote along. That's the crazy thing with writing because. With the one I'm working on now, I have just, you know, this character. And I apologize to my niece. Her name, her, I have this character named Katrina. And just, she, you know, I was working with her. And then I was in a writing course and it was talking about motivation and like the first motivation, second motivation, like the motivation keeps building. And once I did that, then everything in that middle changed. And the next thing you know, this other character, Katrina, kind of came, what became more prominent in my story. And well, I'm rewriting the middle, right? So yep. Yep. yeah, and then well, that's the that's the joy of being creative, right? That some things you get, you're, as you've had it, you're writing along, and you go, "Holy cow, where did that come from?" Yeah. You know, if you in your in spy devils, I create the, the word pimp. It's 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 uh, Pablo and imp because all my characters are named after devilish things. And I said, and the team this uh, lovingly called them pimp, much to imps. I had no idea where that came. I was not planning on that. At all. That just came out. I started laughing, went to my wife and said, I don't know where, where that came from. I love that because <laughs> it fits. It fits the entire uh, group dynamic of the thing. And it just came from one word. And it's like, I'll take it. I'll leave it. And it's there. Excellent. Excellent. Now, Bridger and his team, the Spy Devils, they communicate through earpieces. You know, I I know there's a scene. Oh, it's in Rebellious Sun. I can see it. Bridger's sitting on a bench and he's got like the little earbuds in and and he's Mm -hmm. talking to his team. Right. And you have drones. Um. The first drug dealer is blown up through a device that's connected to a cell phone. So, I got to think about my own book there. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, <laughs> I'm with rebellious yeah. sons. Yeah, yeah. and um, I was wondering because I've been listening to um, uh, spy podcasts, right. and it's interesting to hear the old espionage where it was paper and dead drops and all that. Yeah. And then now I'm thinking with our technology, is espionage easier? And having said that, but it, is it also more difficult because of it being easier with technology? Well, the new technology came after me. In fact, we talk about dead drops. That was actually a theme I was trying to get through in Rebellious Sun. Uh, old spy, old terrorist, fight it out. And I wanted old old style all right i wanted dead drops i wanted written stuff i wanted 
you know, face-to-face meetings inside you know, hotel rooms and things like that, that were, you know, the glory day, true days of, of old espionage. You know, if, if I wanted to do it new days, there would never be a dead drop like that. They'd stick a spike in the ground. It'd be putting out its Wi-Fi signal. You'd walk by with a thing in your pocket. It would beam into your USB port and you just walk by and then get everything you need. And that's the game over. Well, that's not exciting. No. Um, <laughs> but that's, but, but if you read, uh, like Red Sparrow, that series, the, the Matthews books, he he's really good at the current stuff. I highly recommend the James Matthews series because he was counterintelligence forever and he, and they made Red Sparrow into a movie. Yeah. Um, so uh, it's, it's, it's difficult, I think, in, in the identification world, you know, the, getting across border with fake docs, documents, and facial recognition and all that has got to be much more difficult for them. And I've never really explained that yeah. Until I got the rebellious son, which I brought up the technical team that supports Imp, Imp's the technical guy, yeah. and who kind of plow the field when they're trying to travel to, you know, push the button, hack into the unhackable database and put their faces and things like that. Uh, but I don't, if you're looking for, uh, if they, you, the uh, readers, are looking for a highly uh, techno thriller Tom Clancy esque uh, novel. Don't read me. Yeah. Uh, I, I you know I had this jump the shark belief. I don't like having things that are sort of unrealistic, and having the hacker who's able to hack into these un- unhackable things of a push of the button and a laptop and a thing. We've all got that. It's sort of ridiculous. That's why I added the firepower behind it because one guy can't do that singing at 711 in the middle of Taiwan it just ain't going to happen and but that's like the 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 uh there's a phrase for him the the mortal hacker or whatever it is and same for camo yeah i don't explain how they do the camo system the communication system and the, yeah. the bugs the things in their ears and you know i've tried to avoid putting them in the places where they would lose reception because they would lose reception i mean there's just places where you can't go into the parking garage on the fifth floor down and have perfect reception to somebody who's five miles away that ain't gonna happen yeah and, and so i try to avoid that just to be logical on it but i still just have my they can communicate it's only important that they can communicate not how they're actually communicating that's my thing because you got to watch out for that. I mean, yeah. especially if you have the weapons people. There's a there's a cult of the weapons people, and I'm not a weapons person. Yeah. So if I was to say something like, "Oh, he pulled out his X Fiend and stuck in the dude," and I'm gonna get an email saying, "Are you out? You don't know anything you're talking about, man. Yeah. That's that could never happen." You're right. I so there's a lot of pistols, weapons, and guns because when you get specific, there's people who look out for that. Yeah, and that's that's their thing. Yeah, I'm just not yeah. that guy. Yeah. Well, it's Am I crazy. making sense. Yeah, you're making sense because I'm just thinking about, oh, God, my Google research. I have never held a gun. And it's like, okay, if you're going to have your heroine hold a gun, you've got to do some research. You've got to try yep. to find some people, you know, and uh, yep. yeah, yeah, okay. But I want mean, to be, be realistic. You know, I mean, yeah. that's, that, that's why I like the research. Yeah. But that's all I was just doing before we got on this call. And it, it was, you know, I, I'm trying to find the individual who sort of has the background of a character I'm trying to create. Is there somebody like this? Yeah. And I and I hunt that down forever. Yeah. Okay. Like, good. Good. So the other thing which is blowing my mind and rebellious son is learning about the international money laundering. Like it. it yeah crazy yeah the trump cartels they're experts holy smokes okay so you have 
the Chinese triads and you that's real and then you have you call it the enterprise yep and i swear they make more money than maybe um the whole of canada so can you talk yeah they do well the enterprise is based upon the the company which is also known as a sam chorus syndicate it's real it's real stuff the guy who's my main chinese triad leader yeah he's a real guy uh and and in the in my in rebellious son when uh, he confronts Bridger. What they say to each other is actually what this guy said when he was actually arrested in Amsterdam. You know, and he and he's uh, my description of him is him. I mean, I, I hope you don't you know, come and get me, but <laughs> I rather use real people, real life, how they really look, as opposed to just making up some something. But all the as much as I could be real about how the drug, it's not a technical discussion of how the money laundering. Nobody cares. You give it a paragraph or two. But all that is straight out of research about how the systems really work. They've got billions and billions and you know, tens, twenties, thirty billions of dollars in, in narco money, which makes sense. It's just who controls what part of the world, what kind of drugs are they doing? I, I was literally, I was actually just researching on the Mexican cartels because they be their character in the books, like based upon real people, real cartel. And I was nowhere near how awful and evil and bad these people really are. And I'm like, oh man, I gotta. I made I made this guy actually sort of a nice guy. They're not nice guys, yeah. but I based them on the real cartel, the real locations, the real everything's, and I, I tried not and I tried to do that. So yeah, though there are, it's it, it's an intricate banking system, yeah, and how they don't get caught, how how they can move the money around the world, and you know when you got digital things help, but you got to turn digital into real money, yeah, or you turn real money into digital, yeah. So you got to that's a small portion of the book, and then as you're talking. And again, a scene has popped in my mind, which I appreciate how you did this. Um, That's in, I believe it's in Amsterdam, in a, they're at a, not at a dock, but they're kind of, they're at a dock and they're in the shipping container. Yeah, that's a warehouse. And there's not nice things happens to the person who's being held there. He's being tortured. Yeah. Yeah. And that's all true. Oh geez, Louise! I just I, that description what? of that shipping container is exactly the description of the shipping containers that were that were taken by the police in Amsterdam. They actually were on a ship in the uh, in the reality. I moved them into a warehouse because I needed to have it on land. Yeah. Um, but that that description of the the tools, the insides, the air, the whole thing that is that is straight out of the news. I appreciate you took it to how do I say it? You took it. So far, and then you didn't go well for me. You didn't yep. go to the total gross out factor, oh, right? Okay, yep. like you did it in such a way. You mentioned Alfred Hitchcock earlier, or like I said, you mentioned the tools, you mentioned what had started, and then me as the reader, I filled in the rest, and I'm just like, oh my god, right? So, yep. but you didn't gross me out, so to the point, like. I keep, I still want to keep reading to find out. So I like that. Yeah. And that's on purpose. We use our imagination. There's been times where I've gone to the end in Spy Devils. I had the brutal fight inside a hotel room and it's brutal. And I've had my my aunt and whoever say, boy, that's really hard to read. And I go, well, that's what you would really do. It's important to have the scene. And and if you're fighting for your life, you're going to do anything to any part of anybody's body or whatever to survive. And that's, and that's, so I got, you kind of, 
if you, when you have to do it, do it. Yeah. In in rebellious sonnet, you, know, you let the reader use their imagination. In fact, the character uh, who was in charge of that didn't want to like didn't like it either. Right? Remember, he turns his head, doesn't want to watch it because it's not his not his thing. He, he grossed him out too, and he's a Chinese assassin. Yeah, and he doesn't want to watch the video. And right to me, that added to that character. Thank right? you. Appreciate you that. Know? Yeah. Yeah. Character now, building. Yeah. So now, do I pronounce it? Lee Chu. Lee Chu. Yeah. Nice Lee Chu. Okay. okay. And it's like. Poor, poor guy's had a bad couple books. <laughs> it ain't going to get better for him. He's an intelligence officer for this multi billion dollar job syndicate, which, yeah. again, it maybe it shows how naive I am, you know, where I live. But so, or, oh, God, this is like, I'm going to say it. Go ahead and say it. Okay. So organizations of this level have, it sounds like, their own intel, their own intelligence. Sure. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, they're they're different, but the the company Sam Gore, uh, he ran that. The Sam Gore. That's his his real name is Sai or whatever TSE. Yeah. He uh, he, as I described it in the book, is exactly his words and sort of describing his organization. He wants to be the Amazon of the drug deal. He wants. Customer guarantees, on-time deliveries, all that's real. And I just figured that he and they would have a their own intelligence organization because that's how they operate. They're trying to get into regions. They want to know who their competition is. They want to know uh, how they're shipping things. All the stuff that you want to know as a major, major corporation, which is what I did at Mo- Mo- Motorola, you're going to want to have that in the drug deal business, especially when you've got billions and billions and your life depends oh. upon it. So I guarantee they've got a secure. Oh, I know they have security, and I'm, I'm guarantee inside the security they've got major intelligence apparatus. If they didn't, they're they're not as smart as I give them credit for. Yeah, I mean they may they may be bad people, but they're not stupid. Yeah, they're actually really smart at what they do. Yeah, very good business. <laughs> well, it's blowing me away, you know, and I'm just like, wow. Okay, now you mentioned on your website, well, that characters are fictional, or or you take like pieces of, of people you know i mm-hmm. think we all do that yes um real historical events um uh, the bombings in rome yep. vienna yep. berlin tripoli now do you pronounce that gulf of sight of sidra i call sidra. it sidra there's, okay you know, there's, there's local pronunciations but that's the gulf outside of libya okay now and chapter 16 are we, in, are we in which book? Book were you? In? I'm in Pico Rebellious Son. Okay, we're now in Rebellious because because yeah. Gopa Sidra. That's 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 okay. Okay, right. we're in Rebellious Son, and it's that scene where a missile blows up a terrorist cell just by this drone strike. Okay, mm-hmm. and Bridger and the Spy Devils they are in this old truck, and so you have the explosion happening happening, but I strike. yeah. I am finding that that old truck, you mentioned rusted out holes, and I'm thinking bullet holes. Um, you say no suspension. That scene when they're in that truck, I thought was really good. And oh, again, thanks. I'm reading it and I'm thinking, I wonder if Joe's been in a similar situation. Not even close, but, <laughs> but, uh, well, no, not like not in Yemen, okay. and but we've all been in, in, we've all had, you can, you can imagine it. Uh, that was actually those scenes were actually the original opening of the book, and, okay. uh, and I uh, changed them, and yeah. changed them a lot. That but I wrote those; those are the first chapters I wrote, and I and I expanded on them. But yeah, the I mean, 
setting has to be a character, yeah. right? So yeah. so you got characters and characters, you got plot. And I like to have realistic settings. That that house that I described that got blown up exists. All right. You go online, go on Google Maps and Google whatever. And that area, that area is exists. That road is the road. You know, I if I scan the cities in Yemen I'm looking for, I find the truck that I want to mimic. I say, oh, there it is. I'm gonna pull that truck out. I'm looking for a truck. The inside is my inside, you know, the what's happening. And then I decide that I want to make them all uncomfortable because it's hot. They're about they're they're being chased to guys who want to kill them. They got no idea what their plan is anymore. And so why don't you put them in a situation in which they're also not driving a limousine, they're driving in a car that can fall apart any moment because everything they just done is falling apart too. So there's sort of a symbolism there. Uh, that, and that came out of nowhere, but I appreciate you like that scene because I uh I didn't know where it was going. I didn't know how okay. they I was gonna get them out of that situation. And I said, Okay, guys, knock yourself out. How are you gonna get out of this? And they, yeah. and they did. There's actually a couple of chapters I wrote to get them out of there that I cut. But then they come to a checkpoint and there's yep. just a simple line. I think it's Bridger who says it, where he just goes, I'm tired of terrorists, you know, and tired it, of terrorists. you know, and just, I thought, yeah, I hear you, buddy. You know, so that's two themes. There's a, there's, I'm so tired of terrorists, which is just kind of, and uh, all the way through is, can anything be easy? Well, <laughs> does that thing to be so hard? That is one of my life. I say that my wife was a rise. I hate all the time. Does everything have to be so hard? Yeah. Can I just get this over with? But the answer is the answer is everything is hard. Just knock yourself out. Yeah. yeah. That's the humor part of the book. It is. Now, Bridger, what I thought was a really good idea. Actually, I wrote down here a brilliant idea. Is <laughs> talking about somebody else. I must have stolen it then. <laughs> is the foreword is oh, written no. by him. You know, and you say, when I allow Joe to interview me, and I'm like, right. this is cool, you know? So just how did that come together? Because I know when I read that, I thought, damn, that's a good idea. So how did it come come, come together? Well, I am neither ever confirmed nor de- denied that Bridger's a real person and the Spy Devils as an entity are not a real entity. So we can, I'll leave that alone. So maybe Bridger did write it. Okay. But the idea of having a character whether mythologic, fiction or nonfiction, mythological or not, um, actually came from uh, me when I went back into contemporary espionage writing. I went into Audible books. I just burnt through as many classic books I possibly could of all genres to get an idea how to put together. I did all the Carré. I did all of as many Forsyth. And my favorite book is uh, from that time is Treasure Island. I want because I wanted this to be sort of an action adventure story. Yeah, you know. And so I said, okay, what's the contemporary of Treasure Island? That's King Solomon. That's the Solomon Mines, King Solomon's Mines. So, okay, pull out King Solomon's Mind by H. Ryder Haggard. And it opens with Alan Quartermain saying, I'm not a writer. And I can't tell, I'm sorry if it's not going to be very good, but if I had more time, I'd tell the stories of the Bluta tribe and the the spears and things. I'm like, this this is cool. Yeah. Right? Because he's actually in competition with Treasure Island because there was a bet. And uh, well, he got so I said, I like that. I like the idea of a character speaking to the audience. And it's like a the window, the the fourth you know screen has been broken. And so I figured I'd write it. And I actually had my editor hated that in the spy double. He cut it. He cut it. And I'm like, you know what? I've been putting it back. And I and I rewrote it a little bit and uh in spy doubles, which is actually a better one than in in uh Rebellious Sun. And I haven't talked 
written, whatever, however you want to put it, about how uh, what will be said in the third book, which will probably be the last of the series. But I'm pretty sure it's the last of the series. Okay. And but I'm going to have him speak, and I'll have him speak to that. I, and I wanted him to, I want him to say the themes of the book. And the first Spy Devils was truth is stranger than fiction, and the second book is really Rebellious Sons, really a, a book of relationships. You can have all the espionage stuff you want and all that baby, but it's really a mother and a son, a son and his mentor, the man who took the place of his father, uh, his team around him would take the place of his family. Uh, and then and and then all the other cancellary characters who have relationships with them and how they interact. So it's really an, in its core a relationship book. I wrote Spy Devils, and you'll and, and and my daughter is actually going back reading it right now. She sends me things going, Oh, I know this. And this is what yeah. grandma would say. I wrote it right after my both my parents died within a few months of each other. And I wanted to get across some of that relationship, mother-son relationship thing. Yeah. Okay. My mom died. Yeah. And uh how the 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 action was driven by my now secondary character, Peter, having to take care of his father because his mother died, which is exactly sort of kind of what happened, started to happen with my mom who died, was caring for my father who had Alzheimer's and then blah, blah, which is part of the book, a little, yeah. little piece of the book, but it builds the character. Yeah. So that, that I'm, I'm giving you a big, long answer to character development, but everything's connected. That's kind of like how I put this all together. Perfect. Perfect. Now, can you share your experience? I saw this on your newsletter. Well, Post agency when you were in Rio at a conference. Oh, that story. <laughs> I thought it was cool. At a conference, collecting intel for Motorola, and you went into SDR mode. Now I know what SDR is, so if you could also yeah. explain what that is. Well, probably my SDR stands for surveillance detection route. Another another shortcut that a lot of writers take. Oh, you ran an SDR. Well, SBRs are hard. I mean, there's, I mean, you gotta, you're supposed to map them out and plan them. It's, it's objective is to see if you're being followed yeah. by car, by foot or whatever. So you're doing a surveillance detection route. You walk into a one side of a store, walk out of the other side of the store, you turn around on the street, you see them in the TV shows and things all the time. Um, and it's, it's one of the things I've, I still do it. I, I, I look, glance in the mirror and I see, is that car still following me? And I just almost, Often, very often, in my current life right now. So I was kind of fresh out of the agency. So this would have been in the mid, I was at this one job. So somewhere in the 90s. So I'd been out for less than 10 years, five to 10 years. And I'm in full SDR mode. And first, you know that real, you're warned about the crime and the street kids. And they're going to grab your watch. Don't wear the watch on the beach and all that sort of stuff. So my antenna are up. And I'm going out with a friend of mine who's from India. And he's wearing, he has the turban and the beard and the whole deal. Great. Smart Mars guy or new. And... We just had gotten there and we're walking around here. We're not saying, basically, we're not from here. You know, yeah. Here's the big American and here's the gentleman with the turban saying, we're not from here, come and get us. Yeah. And just for some reason, my alarm went off and I kind of felt, I was looking around, walking across the street and I said, we're, I, I sensed three, a group of three. three. Mm -hmm. And so I said to him, his name is Baldev, I said, we're being followed. And he like froze up. Yeah. I said, don't worry, I, stay with me. That's a, that's a quote. It says to stick with me, and so I I improvised an SDR. I I went down some steps towards the beach. Want to see who followed me? I walked along. We walked along the sidewalk. We went up the stairs back on the street level, and I able I was able to determine it was was one kid because he he did that. The other two broke off. They were not involved, and the, and the old rule is once is random, twice is coincidence. The third time is you're being followed. So I so by the time it was a third time, I knew I I knew I had this kid. 
tank top shirt, short soccer shorts. I, okay. Okay, kid. Okay. So I I go, let's go back to the hotel. So we're walking, which is basically right across the street. We walk down the street and we rather than waiting to the corner, we cut across the street, which is one other way to see. And across the street he comes. Yeah. And we get stopped on another light, and he's like within arm's reach. Yeah. I'm like, hey, come on, kid. Come yeah. on, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we I got gotcha. you. Yeah. Right? I actually said to him, look, I said, come on, I got gotcha. you. Yeah. And he's trying to place plenty at the bark, he's whacking the leaves of his hand. And I knew that underneath the uh exit of the of the hotel was a small was a shopping mall mm-hmm. and so that's where we came out of to go down to the beach so i would go let's go back in here because this kid is wearing tank top and soccer shorts and this is a mall that sells grand pianos they actually okay. have a grand piano store so i don't think he's coming in to buy a grand piano yeah. and we went in and he followed us i go okay come on so i walked up to a security guard and said this guy's following us the first guy didn't understand english second guy comes in and says i didn't understand what he's saying this kid walks in it we want to talk about sdr he walks into this ring and the security guys grab him, pick him up like a piece of wood, use his head to open the door and throw him out on the street, I, which is a fun story to talk about. But but it's about being situation, situationally aware of what's going on and protecting yourself. But that the trained or the consciousness of being aware of what's around you, I do. I just it's almost natural. I don't know what it is. Maybe we all have it because we're spatial you know, relationships. But I just knew something was up, and then I just improvised this SDR and was able to whittle it down from three to one and. The story goes on. And we walked, kept our watch and went down to the beach later. See, and I've had... That's a long and, story. That's all right. But I've had a cop, an RCMP detective, who I used to work with, say to me, Joanna, if ever you feel, if you're walking somewhere, that something is off, follow that instinct, yes. right? And he had said the number of times he had interviewed witnesses, he goes, mainly women, who have said... Something wasn't right. And he goes, and he just wished they had followed that instinct, right? Yep. So The the, the sensory issues are very important. And it's important in life and it's important in writing too, right? Yeah. How's it smell? How's it feel? How's it taste? What's it look like? Yeah. So you also mention in your newsletter, David Ignatius. Ignatius. David Ignatius. Ignatius. Okay. Yep. Just was on TV this weekend. I was watching him. Okay. And that his books are a good education for CIA operatives. And I was wondering, is it because of building, like I have the one you recommended. I have so many books I'm reading right Agents now. Agents <laughs> of Innocence. Yeah. I recommend Agents of Innocence. Okay. That's the one. That's the book. Is that because like right now where I'm at, it seems like they're, he, you mentioned about relationships. Is it to do with like building relationships with different people? Why, why is that one the best one? Why that book or why Ignatius? Why that book? Why that book? That, that book was actually on a recommended reading list. Uh, when I was in an agency training, when I first had started, I go, Oh, a fiction book on recommended reading. How that, how could that be? So of course I got it and I read it and it's fantastic. Okay. And it's, it's very John le Carre in the point that it's, it's, it's about, it's written a while ago. Uh, when did he write it? Eighties, uh, something right there. It's been a while ago, and it's about the Israeli-U.S. Palestinian relationship. We, this guy, this young idealistic CIA officer, uh, recruiting a Palestinian, and did it the Palestinians when we told the Israelis we weren't all this sort of stuff. And it's classical espionage. He was actually using codes, phrases, words that uh, were inside the belt, inside the wall, kind of things 
from like polygraphing and like, wow, he is in the book. 201 files, all these things that were sort of really inside the the, the walls of the agency. And that, so it had that realism. Plus he had the, how does a person who is trying to recruit somebody to be commit espionage on behalf of the United States government, what is their mental, both of their mental states? Mm-hmm. And the tension involved, and the tension of the world around them, and the and the relationship tension of families and moving and being in foreign places, and it was just it was just really, really, really well done. And it took on an added flavor for me is that I actually it was built on a lot of real characters, and it ended up that I knew, end up knowing who the, his character was. the oh. The person he was based on was somebody who was the spouse of my sort of boss. Okay. And I mentioned to her, I said, you know, this book is great. He goes, oh, that's that's my husband. I'm like, oh, really? <laughs> so we were at a party. I was talking to him about it. Yeah. But the but that 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 just added to it. Because then, then I knew how real the book was when I was able to talk to him. And so I so Ignatius and I are now, not that we're friends on Instagram, but he started following me after that. And he we had a few exchanges about some of the people involved. But not that, not that character. I would never forget mm-hmm. that character. But other people... We had them in common. In fact, in Rebellious Son, the Wes Henslow character is mm-hmm. also in Secret Wars. That's the guy. That's Dewey. That's based upon Dewey Claridge, who was a created the Counterterrorism Center, who was okay. a very important to me. And, and Ignatius knew him, I think, too. And uh, so we had some of those conversations. But you know, it's real people. When we're sitting here yakking about this, there are real people doing real difficult things that we're never going to know their names. Yeah. For good and bad. And I'm glad we don't. And I'm glad they're there doing their thing. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I agree. I think everyone has saw um, President Biden's visit to Ukraine with, um, God, my names are going on me, um, with President Zelensky. Zelensky. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we were watching it on TV. And I'm not looking at them, but I'm looking at all the, the guys behind, you know, and there were some big big guys, like they had space, but who are walking yeah. behind both of them. And I thought, man, those guys could turn anyone into paste, you know? And I, it, when they're saying that it was secret, I was just thinking to myself, the planning that must have gone on. It was months long. Behind the scenes. Yeah. Well, I off. use Ukraine. I use places where I've been. And so, so it's sort of, it's not good to have a war in Ukraine, a place I've been. In fact, I teach uh, communications at a community college. And I had a bunch of international students and five of them were from Ukraine. And when the war broke out, which is a whole nother story. So that was, it became a good learning experience for social media misinformation. But you mentioned being tossed off the balcony. That's in Ukraine. In fact, the, the TV reporters who were staying on top of the buildings of Ukraine and behind them is the, the, that's the building where he's my main character of the character in that in spite of was just tossed off. of. That's in that intercontinental hotel. That's where they're standing has to be. So I'm like, Real, real hotel. There it is. Now I'm trying to do some work on spy devils in a different media medium. I got taken out of Ukraine because Ukraine is can no longer be used as a background. Yeah. So, but but I try to make it a real place. There's real people doing real things. Yeah, yeah. Now, can you explain what jump the sharks is in writing? Yeah, I probably pissed some people off on that. Um, this that's too bad. As I said, example. You've ever seen the Bourne movies, the Jason yeah. Bourne movies? Okay, Bourne, Bourne number three, they're in Marrakesh. The guy gets blown up by the motorcycle assassin guy. And in his briefcase, uh, he gets gets burned up. And Bourne goes to the morgue 
and he gets the briefcase from the guy and he opens it up and he's flipping through the ashes. And lo and behold, the one scrap of paper not that cut. he had to have <laughs> to move the story forward did not get fried no. along with all the other pieces of paper. Oh, and by the way, in that briefcase, he's carrying a super secret document with a CIA emblem on the outside with the true location of the super secret <laughs> location where the entire born program was created. Are you out of your mind? I sat I forward in the movie theater with my head in my hands and went, ugh, no. <laughs> yeah. I get it. We have to have those moments where coincidence happens. It's yeah. required. You happen to see the person in the car and go, oh, that's the, how could that possibly be? And that, and that moves it forward. But we all, you have to have them. Yeah. Clancy was a master at it. Yeah. But when you have those things and they're ridiculous, yeah. I can't stand it. My wife and I were just watching Tehran. We're watching okay. it on TV. And the almost exact same thing happened. Okay. I'm like, no. And, I'm, and I just finished a book in pre, pre-read of a, I love the author. And then there's another example of that. I'm like, okay. And it can happen. It can yeah. happen. But in some cases you see really lazy writing. Okay. How can I how can I jump my my story forward? In fact, there's an author who has who I love, which is probably number one. And they had this sim thing where this thing was caught. It's a super secret program, it's the killer thingies. And on the side, microscopically in the killer thingies, is the uh logo of the company that makes the super secret thingies. Yeah. That is a dark program, money, this, that, when no one wants to know about it. But of course. On the little thingy, <laughs> they put the logo, you know, of the company. I'm like, are you kidding me? Yeah. Without that, without yeah. that, the rest of the book doesn't happen. Oh, and I just, there's, there's got to be a better way yeah. to figure it. Maybe actual espionage and tradecraft, rather than just having the, yeah. You know, oh, look, there's a logo. But so, so I try to avoid that. We all yeah. do things. Yeah. But yeah. I, in, in the sense of the jump the shark, you know, unbelievable, you know. Fonzie jumps the shark in the Happy Days show from years and years ago. Yeah. I try to avoid those, but we yeah. all do them. That's yeah. what I mean by that. Okay. Lazy, I call it lazy writing. Okay. So you had asked me when I was on the House of Mystery yes. what part of the writing process I didn't like. And uh, I've, I've actually, when I was rewriting my entire middle of that book, I thought of that question and I thought, yeah, th this right here, right? So what is your least favorite part of the writing process? Well, least favorite part. First of all, it's hard. Okay, yeah. Writing a book is hard. Um, I, The part that I find the most difficult is getting the discipline I need to actually write. Every writer says that. You know, I need to sit down and write. I don't, I don't give myself 2,000 word deadlines. I don't give that. But not getting distracted. And saying, oh, now is the time for me to go uh, wash the dishes, you know, rather than sit down and write, because that writing thing, I'm a stare at that. So I find getting myself down, when you get into the chair and saying, do it, because I can always, I love the research. I can okay. research down the rabbit hole forever, yeah. find that guy. And then I say, oh, I did a lot of work today. I didn't get any, I didn't put a word down on paper. Yeah. And I got research and things I've copied, I'll read, and I might use three ideas or three sentences from a hundred pages of research, 50, whatever number it is. I watch a lot of video, but I was watching videos just before we came on yeah. of the location where book three is going to take place and start. So I'm like this actually Canadian reporter, yeah. um, Avery Haynes. Yeah. 
uh, she did a documentary on the the, the narco terrorists, the avocado trade, narco avocados. Yeah. Yes, and and so that the C the CJNG is the is my Mexican cartel. I I brought up in Rebellious Son. I got to do it, use them in the next book because it's time to finish that storyline. Yeah. Here she is talking to them yeah. on locations. I want my book opens on the streets. To, I want to see the streets. So I'm watching her documentary. Once again, to get the atmospherics, to see yeah. what the clothes they're wearing, to see what they look like, to see what the type of things that they say. I was scribbling down notes based on her fantastic documentaries. She's a brave person. Okay. She, she drove into the belly of the beast. Yeah. To get this, to do this documentary. So if you haven't seen it, it's online. W, whatever the name of that station is, number five, W something. Okay. Five. Yeah. But that's why I love that. Yeah. I love that part. Turning that into words. Yeah. Yeah. See, and you mentioned the avocado wars. I, my husband is a produce director and he came home one day and said, the price of avocado is going to get, get really expensive. And he goes, and I'm like, oh, yeah, really? And he goes, yeah, because of the avocado wars and what's happening in Mexico. And I'm like, say yep. what? <laughs> yeah. Come, 95% of all avocados come from this one area in in Mexico, which is on, on, uh, in a civil war. And this yeah. seed, this one cartel, which is now the most brutal, bloody, which it takes out Sinaloa you know, easily, uh, from the point of view of violence, they live in violence. They're going to control the avocado tree, which is about a $3 billion, $4 billion market. And but he had said to me that yeah the inspectors don't want to go out and inspect because they're scared they're going to get killed yeah and she interviews a farmer who basically is armed and he says if they want to come and take my farm they call it disappear me yeah uh, they can do it you know, just just they want it but what he's actually doing according to her documentary is paying another cartel for protection protection so he's losing my, oh, so that's that's not part of my book. Yeah. I mean, I may throw that in there. I may, th- yeah. and now I'm learning about. Maybe I'll throw in the, uh, the words avocado, or whatever, <laughs> to get realism, to make it yeah. contemporary, current eventsy. It's not a point, but it does yeah. build setting. Yeah, yeah. And it can build the character. I'm trying to. I'm actually going to use a mobile phone store. I'm trying to find a good mobile phone store on the street. So it's just because I don't know, yeah. I, one day I said mobile phones. I had a little yellow, little yellow sticky here that says mobile phones on it, and uh, I said, okay, let's do that. Cool. My problem right now, the hard. I'll tell you what the hardest thing for me right now. Two things. One is trying to avoid my readers standing over my shoulder as I'm writing and worrying about them. Okay. Okay. If I'm worrying about my readers as I'm writing too much, I I lock myself up. Right. Just okay. got to write it. Okay. Uh, and the and the second part, what what, what, what it was is um, I forgot that that was actually the minor of the two things. Yeah. Um, but the discipline you said the discipline you... part. Yeah, the discipline part. Yeah. But but worrying about writing writing to my readers. Yeah. Is one of my biggest things. And I get stuck up in plot sometimes. I get stuck up in in you know I'm I'm a seat of the pants, right? I'm a pantser, mm-hmm. as we call it, but I also do a little bit of outlining. Yeah. And I've been oh, I know what the problem is. The problem is I wrote the end of Rebellious Sun as a sort of cliffhanger. And I wrote it as a cliffhanger because I didn't know what happens. I didn't know who did it. I didn't know I had to explain it because I didn't know it. So I just left it as it was. And everybody loves the ending. Well, okay, I actually have two endings. But now I gotta explain that. Yeah, and I got it. So I I have to make the next book almost right away. I call it do I go Columbo, in which <laughs> the reader knows who did it, yeah. and our main character figures it out, or do I go with the uh, Agatha Christie, in which we learn as the main characters learn, and in the end we figure out who did it. So okay. I've decided to go Columbo and just get it over with, yeah. and 
and it's not going to be easy. But I, I have to, I have to write that. I can't just, I don't have free reign in front of me. I have to answer the questions I left open, which is why book two isn't quite as standalone as I would hope. Okay. Anyway, that's just that's on that's on me. Okay. Well, I've decided that I am going to try to be more of a plotter. Like I'm not going after the rewrites I did with the last one. I'm going to try to be more of a plotter, let's say for the first third or first half of the book right. and then let myself go, right? Just to save some time. Yeah. That's yeah. the way to do it. In fact, I, I finally just got so frust- frustrated that I took out a big, huge white piece of paper, took out colored stickies and went analog on it, the old style. I, I couldn't see how it all flowed together, even though I had written just things I knew I wanted to have. Yeah. And what I do is I call them signposts or stop stop signs. I know I need to have this happen first, yeah. somewhere down the road. Let's write to that. I'm not saying sure I'm going to get there, but I know I got to get there. So how would I get? And then the next one, and then get to the end. Yeah. I just, so, and I, and I have usually, exactly like you say, I kind of have an idea what kind of has happened to get to that first one, because it's really important seeing up the rest. After that, let's roll. And then I move stuff all over the place. And I got yeah. I've had stuff that was towards the end of the book that actually was at the beginning in Rebellious Sun. Yeah, well, that's because we wrote it. I swear there is not a chapter that's in its original place with this one I've been working on. I I, I agree with you. And you're just like, oh my God, what have I done? (laughs) Who wrote this? What what, what book is this? Yeah. (laughs) I've actually side by sided a couple of them and I go, what? The the opening of both, well, Spy Devils was nothing. Because I had to rewrite the whole thing. I changed main characters. I was like, but I kept about 80% of it. I just had to flip it and rewrite it and put it from somebody else's perspective. Yeah. And build a whole bunch of more characters. Which it's it's more than a flip, though. There's there's work involved in that. Oh, yeah. Took, <laughs> I'm a slow writer. Okay. I'm a, I I I admit to that. Okay. But when I get in the groove like anybody else, I go, I, which is pretty much going to start like right now because I'm running out of time. Yeah. And I got to write by May their whole book. I, oh. So I got a few minutes here. Okay. Uh, if I'm going to stay on schedule, I got March, April, and May to finish this, which is plenty of time. I just got to do it. Yeah. I'm sitting around thinking about it, thinking about it since I put it, Rebellious Sun out in November. Yeah. Now it's time to actually be a writer, you know? But- Put on the side that I'm actually a writer, not just a guy who decided he wanted to write a few books, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So wrapping it up. Okay. I talk too much. No, 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 you no. Can edit, you can edit me out. Just say, I'm, here's Joe. Welcome to Joe. Goodbye, Joe. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. This has been great. Favorite question. You are in New York City at the Metropolitan Museum of Art. And you're, I'm, I, when I was writing this, I thought he's probably thinking, why the hell would I be at the, the Met? Right. But anyway, yep. you're at the Met. Bridger approaches you on the outside steps. What what can you think of he would say to you, and how would you act if you saw him approaching you? Well, if I'm in the real world, I probably would ignore him because I didn't want to. I wouldn't give a blow as cover or things like okay. that. But let's say he's not, but because he's a real person. I mean, he, Bridger is his is his name of the what his real name is. He actually lives in New York. He's from part of New York. Um, I well, one thing I'd say was say thanks. You know, yeah. thanks for giving me good ideas and thanks for letting me tell your story. Okay. Uh, cause they, cause some of the things that are in his story, your story, uh, were important to me at an important time in my life okay. and I couldn't have gone through it without you. So, uh, thanks for being there for me. Yeah. Nice. That's very nice. All right. So Joe, anything you'd like to add? 
what's next? Yeah, I understand book three. Book three you're, will be out in November. Okay. Please, you're gonna, please, 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 please. <laughs> you're going to keep writing, though. Like, this series isn't the end of you as an author, because I really right. enjoy your novels. Thanks. Yeah, people, like, I don't write, I write a kind of different style I call it conversational. Um, I'm going to stop the Spy Devils probably at this book. I may write a novella, like an origin story for Bridger okay. novella or two. I have been approached by somebody in the biz about turning it into a TV treatment, which is on my thing to get done also by May um, and start fishing that out in the next cycle, which would be in September because they liked it enough that it could be something like the gray man or the terminal list, or actually I, I would call it night manager. I actually went back and watched the BBC versions of Tinker Taylor's soldier and uh, Spiley's people of Alec Guinness, which are the two best limited series espionage things. So I'm working on the TV thing. I would love to change genre. I hate to use the word genre, but I have an idea now of a standalone espionage sort of book. Okay. Uh, I've had an idea for literary fiction books since 1990 that I've been researching and working on my great American novel. Yeah. Um, and I really want to write that. I, I would love, I would put it, everything aside for four or five years to just get this one done. And I think I write historical fiction better. So I like to kind of turn my, because Secret Wars is historical fiction. So I like to turn myself towards more historical fiction because I'm a historian by sort of degree and love. Yeah. And I and I like that sort of stuff. So will I stay in this espionage thriller genre? Maybe for one standalone, but uh, I would like to maybe move out mm-hmm. and then work on the TV thing, maybe work on the novella, maybe you know, be a father, husband, grandfather, you know. Have a good you know, life. Yeah. Who's got to do the hard things? Those, you know, us, right? Yeah. Yeah. Want to write? It's not easy. You got to do it. Yeah. Okay. Make so, any money off it. Don't try to make any money. <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> so where can we find you on social media? JoeGoldbergBooks.com. That's a, the that's the center. You can go. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Facebook. Those are the big three. Um yeah. But you know, Joe Goldberg Books has all the books, all the videos, links to, to buying it, my bio, all the stuff you're talking about, newsletters, it's all there. Um, and I I will and I always respond to people who reach out to me. If, if, unless it's a, you know, you suck that kind of or, or and reviews, you know, keep those arms linked. But if someone would send me a, a text or a tweet or something, say, hey, I'm interested, how do you help? Sometimes I can say I'll do the best I can. Sometimes I'll say thanks, but I will always respond to somebody who reaches out. It takes the time to reach out to me. Your time is precious, and so I have, I, sh- I should uh, be uh, do the right thing and reply back to you. Okay, okay, excellent, Joe. This has been a lot of fun. Thank you. I, I did my best. You did good. Glad I'm sober. <laughs> okay, we'll see ya. All right. Thank you very much. This is great. Really appreciate the opportunity. <laughs>